first published in September of 2012, this Japanese manga series, written and illustrated by Okayato, has been collected into 17 volumes, adapted into anime and an online game. The plot follows a student who accidentally signs up for an exchange program that finds him inviting various half-human, half-beasts to live with him. And if you were playing Jeopardy, the answer to this clue would be, what is Monster Musum? Because we've got a full collection right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. The way Alex is putting the time in, I feel like he's going to have to develop a nom de plume. <laughs> boom, boom. I'm in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 2, Episode 8, Dad Patrol. Now, unfortunately, Pete, you're going to have to get out of this podcast because yeah. you're yeah! not a dad. <laughs> this is our time to shine, me and Justin. You've been asking us about being a father. This entire time. Finally, you know, so you can quit the podcast. You're good to go. You got all the information you need. For all of you out there who may not have all the information you need, here's a quick bit of recap. Uh, basically, Niles has decided to take care of Dorothy along with Willoughby. We don't know exactly what taking care of means, but it probably means death. So he gives her yeah. one last special day to go to the carnival, have a nice time. At the same time, unfortunately, well... Uh, not unfortunately. I was about to say, unfortunately, she has her period. She has her period. And unfortunately, as a result of having her there period, she becomes a woman. And that means Candlemaker is going to be released. And in fact, he wreaks havoc on the entire carnival. That's where we leave off. The it's a fair, there. not a carnival. Stop fucking. All right, oh. we'll get into this in a second, I'm this sure. This is going to be a good fight. This is a good fight. <laughs> this is the kind that the people really clamor for, is fair versus carnival. I look forward to hearing a definition of both of those words, by the way. <laughs> All right, we'll get into that in a second. Meanwhile, everybody else is kind of off on their own missions. Larry is assisting Jane, specifically, who has been tasked with getting Kay's old doll out of the well. Another thing I'm sure Pete's going to be very upset Stuffed at. animal. It's not a doll. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alex uh, just wiped his I'm brow. Sorry, like he's been I'm working sorry, in man. a mind. I insulted you by not calling you a dad at the beginning of the podcast, and now you're going to disagree with every not a, single, semantically with every single one of my terms. But Jade gets a stuffed animal Thank you. out of the well. Harry. And then we get a big reveal here that Miranda seems to be not so quite so nice as we speculated about on the last podcast. Throws Jade in the well there at the end. We find out everybody is floating at the bottom of the well, specifically Baby Doll and the other personalities that have been banished there. It's all pretty horrifying. Over yeah. at Rita, what is Rita doing? I've she's the beekeeper. She's, she's the beekeeper. The beekeeper. With That's Vic. right. She's palling along with Cyborg, who is trying to find out what's going on with Ronnie. Turns out Ronnie killed the head of Quorum, the organization that ruined her body and her life. So Beekeeper and the Borg go after her, ultimately leading to Rita freezing just when Cyborg needs her most. Oh. Cyborg also freaks out. That's the first time that's happened in a couple of episodes. And on a more positive storyline, Cliff bonds with his daughter, Clara, makes her finger pancakes, and uh, ultimately gets invited to her wedding. Finger so, sausages, finger, yeah, sausages, finger sausages, and then the yeah. pancakes were regular. Sure. Thank you for clarifying that as well. So lots of stuff going on in this episode in a lot of different directions. Why don't we start off where we know we need to start off? Pete, what's the difference between a fair and a carnival? Well, for, they call it a fair. They never say carnival. You're saying carnival. It's a fair. That's all I'm saying. So what's the difference how the fuck do i know but they're calling it a fair and you're putting carnival on there 
I don't know what the fucking difference is, but I'm just saying when, it's a fair. When comparing fairs versus carnivals, it's important mm-hmm. to remember that carnivals are typically traveling shows that evolve from ancient celebrations and religious holidays, while fairs bring people together for an annual community event. Oh, nice. Thank you. Hey, this uh, is from so- a great source, Air Fun Games, a <laughs> game place in Port Ritchie, Florida. Okay, oh, great. That, that, well, that is you the definitive me, take. And, then, and, then you and, said, and just to mention, if they'd like to invite us down to tape a whole podcast about this, we'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Um, you guys they, were recently in Florida. Did you visit there? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I do. It's my annual pilgrimage because they do outdoor party planning, Florida style. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds scary. Oh, but extra cool. One thing that we, uh, I'm very excited to talk about is... We have a lot of well stuff, and we have a well expert with us, so I am very excited to get into the well punishment. Did you have to go down to the well? Because it seems like if you have a well and if you have kids, you threaten them with the well constantly. Uh, I, Pete is referencing the fact that I grew up in the country on on a well. We had a well at our yeah, house. Yeah, you but got not, your water from a well, like an no, old-timey kind no, of... No, no, no. Water came out of the well to pipes. I didn't grow up in some sort of uh, 18th see, century. Yeah, did you have to carry buckets down to the well and <laughs> yeah. get your water? Uh, that's right. And that's when I pulled the sword from the stone and became the king. Wow. I feel like that's not a well. I feel like you're huh? mixing up The sword of the stone was a lake. Yeah, that was a lake. Yeah. Yeah, Not no, to keep clarifying I, uh, things on this podcast. But. Yeah, here's the thing. We're in too, literally like a well, in too deep here trying to... Uh, <laughs> I'm actually surprised about. you want to talk about the well so much, Pete, because I was really worried you're going to be too scared to watch most of this episode because yeah. you hate I mean, wells. Wells are scary as fuck, and uh, it seemed like that creepy-ass dad knew that and used that as kind of punishment, which is the worst. I'll wells you make what, you feel unwell. One thing I was very surprised about, which they kind of hinted at in this episode, so we get this actually terrifying sequence. Can I guess what you were going to say? What? You were surprised (laughs) about the satanic hamster? Nope, not quite there yet. I'm still talking about the same storyline that we're still talking about. Oh, okay. Like you, I have not skipped ahead into an entirely different storyline. He likes to talk about everything. I like to bounce around. I like to bounce around. Oh, man, you're like a stuffed animal in a well bouncing around all over the place. The I was surprised when we got down to the well. I thought that whole sequence was great with Jane being terrified of it, flashing back to Kay being put in the well. Miranda, the eventual reveal that Miranda was actually in control the entire time and faking for her father. I thought she was going to do the classic digging through the mud and revealing the father's skeleton in the well. Oh, so I was surprised yeah. Get that. Wow. That's all. I thought that too, and I feel like we might still get that? there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I, I thought it was going to be a real horror moment. The fact that it it came out, it was surprising that it was like Jane was like, "Oh, Miranda, you did the hard thing. I could have never done that." Yeah, and that was Miranda, really surprising. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's a fun twist or an interesting twist to have her sort of." Uh, give in to Miranda because Miranda is maybe good, and then Miranda turns it, turns it again and pushes her in the wall. Well, as long as we're talking about things we thought were going to happen, I thought Larry Trainer was going to hold the rope, and then the light being was going to come out, and he would collapse, and then she would fall mm-hmm. in the wall and not be able to get out, and then the creepy old dad would come out of the house and see what's going on. Well, he's dead, so hard for him to come out of the house, I'm just saying. Well, do we know that? I guess we don't. It's been strongly intimated that he's probably dead. I bet we see that body. Yeah, to Alex. To well, your point. Next this is episode. a good. 
this is a good question. Justin, when the, the family dies, do that's when you board up the well because there's no one to take care of it and to put little kids down there? Or like no, the last, to- the last family member has to um, go into the well and board it up behind them. And then oh. they, they live in the well. Oh, man. And that can you, be good for when the water. somebody in the family before that dies, you throw them in the well, and that makes the well water that much sweeter, right? Exactly. Oh, that's okay. where the phrase "all's well that ends well" is comes from. Because <laughs> you and that's uh, Taylor Swift wrote that song "All Too Well" ten minute version, which is also about that. <laughs> yeah, wow. ten minute version is a very big country thing. <laughs> we love long versions. <laughs> the so this storyline was very good. I liked it. I'm very intrigued to know more. What do you think Miranda's goal is at this point? Because in the span of the show, she's clearly been revealed as a villain at the end of the storyline. Pete, yes, thank you for raising your hand. Yeah, I think Miranda is, uh, you know, she's been clear that she's been trying to be the primary and has a very evil agenda that she's not so carefully trying to cover up. She is straight up bullying her way to the top. I think she's eliminating the other people, um, the other powerful personalities that can threaten her primacy. Uh, she's getting rid of voters, like I said last time. Yeah, well, okay, fine. Why don't you fucking flex on us? But uh, what I would first person I would have to go off, go at was is the nun with the chainsaw. I don't know why people are just not. You know what I mean? Like that seems like one of the most dangerous ones. No, no, no. You take out the weakest ones first, who people aren't going to miss as much. So you eliminate just the raw amount of bodies in the area before you take on the chainsaw nun. Like chainsaw nuns got said like a fucking serial killer. The way you calmly. No, 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 no. This is what you do. I've been dreaming about this for years. Got to make plans sometimes. You never know what's going to go wrong. Yeah. And Alex's personal underground, he took over years ago. (laughs) (laughs) All those other Alexes. I'm not even the primary. I got to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. You're the penny farthing of your Mm -hmm. underground. (laughs) You just got to be sneaky about it. The there might be something to the fact that and maybe I'm misremembering this, but Miranda was the first personality exhibited by Kay. So there might be an amount of animosity that came with the rest of these personalities popping up that Miranda feels like she wasn't good enough. She was, I guess, thrown in the well at some point and left to die. So there might be resentment there that's coming out. This might be her revenge in some way. And like we're talking about a way of eliminating all the personalities. So it goes back to not even being Kay, just being Miranda full time. Yeah. Uh, Miranda wants to be in charge. You don't think so, Pete? What, what would you say um, your your underground personality that's in in the primary position is? Oh, you don't want to know the different things that I'm fighting back. It's 100 percent chainsaw nut. I'm just going to throw. It out there. <laughs> uh, but I think with Pete, it's there's no nun. It's just a chainsaw holding a smaller <laughs> chainsaw. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Chainsaw, chainsaw. chainsaw. <laughs> Why don't we move over and talk about the Niles Dorothy storyline because that obviously has no. big ramifications for what's going to happen the rest of the season. Pete, we were talking about this a lot the last episode. I know your anti-Niles certainly doesn't make the best moves here, but what did you think of this overall storyline? The place? only time I could relate to Niles this whole episode is when, you know, he's trying to have a nice time and someone calls him on his peanut butter cup phone. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, uh, you know, I mean, come on. That's emergencies only. And yeah, yeah. sure, uh, the Satan hamster's talking to you, but you know, there's no need for that phone call. Let him enjoy his last day with his uh, with his daughter. Um, yeah, I just uh, Pete, before we, I just a couple of things on that. Like, um, sure. I feel like there was a lot of candy, uh, almost torture in this episode. Did you yeah. feel especially 
like upset by all the melting lollipops and peanut butter cups used for other purposes. Yeah, I mean, it's heartbreaking. You know what I mean? That's not what they're there for. But, uh, you know, um, it's it's a you know a horror element. So I guess we got to go through this torture of wasting perfectly good candy for this fucking bullshit. You know, this is a little bit of a side thing, but I want to throw out there. I've seen bigger lollipops. They call it the world's wow. biggest lollipop. <laughs> wow. I've, seen, I've seen bigger. Okay. So. Well, it was only half and melted. You have to oh, imagine like, yeah. Yeah. You have to imagine the full circle. Yeah. yeah like, seems, I don't have I don't that. Know. I don't yeah. have that kind of imagination. Yeah. yeah. The lollipop imaginer personality in my brain. I <laughs> killed that one first. <laughs> of sort of a, a Willy Wonka, a dumb Willy Wonka. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to the Nile's Dorothy. The lollipop. Uh, I... What I was, you know, originally I was like, well, why don't, why is this always on Niles? You know, why don't we talk to the mom about this? Like he went out to the Yukon to talk to the mom. Uh, but then in this episode, we kind of get the reveal that the mom's colder than Niles. Like she's like, fuck the whole, this whole thing. The candle monster is the important thing. And uh, it was heartbreaking. I was, I was kind of hoping that there would be. You know, not two evil parents. Maybe just Niles would be the awful one. But it seems like the mom is pushing this evil agenda as well, which was doubly heartbreaking. I don't think she's pushing the evil agenda. I oh, think really? the mom the mom is just being like, hey, it's time. He's being a very like sort of a biological like mom, like someone who's like, hey, this is happening. Your world is changing. You need to do deal with it. And as opposed to Niles, who's just like pretending to parent and doing all these like little kid things that aren't actually preparing his child for the future. Wait, 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 hold up. I know I'm not a parent here and I appreciate the mom uh, having, but you're a cat dad. So let's use that. Is yeah. Thank you. But I'm just saying that like the the correct term is cat daddy. That's right. All right. So anyways, I think sure. The mom has the appropriate kitty King. Is it kitty King? (laughs) Mom has the appropriate footwear, which we can all appreciate, you know, like, yeah, you got to have really nice boots. If you're going to go to the Yukon. Oh, Peter, are you crying? Excuse me. Yeah, I'm getting choked up here. For the kitty King? The kitty King's getting choked up. Uh, But by the way, I just want to mention for those only listening to the audio podcast, really love your hat that says feline good today. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anyways, I just think that like the fact that the mom is, uh, you know, just saying like, yeah, you have to bring this candle monster into the world. This is what's supposed to happen is is very cold and heartbreaking. Like, I don't think that's what's happening. I think she's trying to prepare. Here's my here's my take. And this is you're talking about. Just let me listen. Let me uh, say this real quick. I think the the candle maker is Monster. serves serves a purpose as a protector before a child becomes an adult. And as she, they're using um, her uh, getting her period as sort of the transition to her being an adult, and that means it's time for her to get rid of the candle maker. Unfortunately, because she hasn't been prepared because Niles is a bad dad, she's not ready to dispense with her guardian, the candle maker. And so the candle maker is stepping out into the world to wreak havoc. That's my take on it. So she is saying like, hey, you have to deal with this and get rid of it before it gets out of control. 
you, what the fuck did you pull that from? The mom shows up and is like, put your boots on. You've got to bring this candle monster into the world. She doesn't say like, hey, we can form some kind of plan and Mm -hmm. take out the candle monster at the end. I got to agree with Justin. I think Justin's right here because the metaphor, which I thought was so well executed, is this is about puberty. This is about growing up. We've known that the entire season. When you go through puberty, your emotions are out of control. That's what the candle maker represents. And like Justin's saying, I think absolutely Niles has been resisting Dorothy growing up for over a century at this point. He's been uh, regressing her. He's been holding her back. He has not done or found bothered to find out about whatever training she needs in order to harness these powers she has to create creatures. Herschel, Manny, the mirror lady, uh, Candlemaker as well, or at least to channel them. And uh, this is coming out is the rage of puberty that comes immediately after getting her first period. That's exactly what it is. So, again, I think we'll see, because I don't explicitly remember, but I think we will see Dorothy saying, no, I need to grow up. I need to move forward. I need to become the human being I need to be. And she might need to deal with the Candlemaker in some way. But I don't think based on the way that the mother was explaining it, I don't think it was like, finally, I would have my revenge. I'm a witch. It was, no, this is part of you. This is coming out. You can't stop growing up. That's almost literally what she was saying here. I I don't know what the fuck you guys are watching, but... um, Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, (laughs) I watched that and... I got none of the mom trying to be like, no, it's okay. This candle monster is a part of you. And you she just wasn't saying deal that. With it, it was the way that the actress was explaining it very plainly. And she was explaining she it. She was as, speaking like, um, she was not using full like, sentences or time. like. Yeah, that saying it's time does not mean it's going to be okay, and the candle monster is not going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be very bad. The candle maker is loose in this carnival, and the lollipops are melting, so that's a bad time for everybody. And obviously, Willoughby and Niles freak out at the end of the episode. They're like, great, now we're going to have to battle this candle maker. So things are going to get absolutely awful, but that is... Like, you keep asking us what it's like to be a parent. At some point as a parent, you have to have the puberty conversation with kids. And if you don't have the puberty conversation with kids and you don't prepare them, they're going to freak out when this stuff happens, same as Dorothy does in the bathroom, because she doesn't know what's happening to her. All she knows is that she's bleeding from her crotch and she doesn't know why. And ultimately, the gas station attendant has to explain it to her instead of her father, who didn't prepare her in yep. any way whatsoever. So I that's agree with you the on metaphor that. that we're playing with here. Sure, sure, metaphors aside, but I'm just saying that, like, it doesn't seem like a good idea to, re- to you know, release the candle monster. Nobody thinks that's a good idea, except well, for the it, candle maker. Sure. But let me, but, here, Pete, I think you'll understand it more if you sit down with your cat and have the talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> have you done that yet? Yeah. <laughs> Kitty King, have you done it? I'll tell you what, like there's some scary parts, right? When you talk about uh, certain, oh. like the more oh physical God. aspects of going through cat puberty. But that first time you sit down with your cat and teach your cat to shave, it's, <laughs> it's magical. It's going to be, it's a beautiful moment. You really should. Well, I hope you two assholes are right because otherwise we're in real trouble here. Uh, the idea cat? of Pete sitting down <laughs> next to his cat being like, oh boy, I don't no, want to talk about, about this. Any, I don't talk, I want to talk about this any more than you want to hear it, cat. But <laughs> <laughs> there comes a time in every pretty kitty's life when 
their tail turns up for another cat out there. <laughs> Is your cat male or female? Because that's really going to change. It's going to change. It's going to yeah. change the conversation. And make sure you know that before you go in. <laughs> you can check if you want. You can check. Yeah. Actually, Pete, take a second. And go check right now. We'll just talk about uh, something else. Real now, quick. real quick question. Is it cats or ducks who have barbed penises? I never remember. You don't know. <laughs> Alex, I think you need to do some research. I have a lot of animals upstairs and I got a lot of talk. <laughs> <to you. laughs> I believe it's ducks. The ducks have the corkscrew Is there anything penis. else with the Dorothy Niles section that before we move on that you guys want to talk about? <laughs> oh, you don't want to talk about this anymore? I did really like the Willoughby stuff, just throw, once again throwing in random wild information about how magic works in this world. Just very fun. I know you're anti-talking on the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but just ridiculous, yes. unexplained details. And I appreciate the fact this is this. I appreciate the fact that this is the shorter show. They don't have to be like, we need to enchant these Reese's Peanut Butter Cups to talk. Yeah. They just pull them out and do they it. They just do and, it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, my, my almond joy is ringing, but I'm not picking it up because I'm cool about it. In the same smart, way smart that you guys are. I want to say the fun house that is at this fair is oh terrifying. <laughs> that is a hellscape. Anybody who goes in there is going to see a, some sort of candle maker. I do love to get back to the ca- carnival versus fair discussion. Carnivals, like you're saying, travel around. They never have anything elaborate like that because you got to build it and take it down very quickly. But always on TV shows and movies, it's like, this is the most nightmarish thing possible. It clearly took us five weeks to build. Um, But good, good visual, but doesn't make a lot of sense. That's true. And I guess if it is a fair, there'd be a lot of animal uh, judging and like... uh, Like animals judging you? Like sheep yeah. staring at you, yeah. and be like, oh. yeah, you guys ever walk through the fair and just feel those fucking pigs oh looking God. you up and down? Like, you look at this idiot of those what, skinny jeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice hat, asshole. <laughs> Would you say pig? <laughs> you talking to me, pig? What the you fuck think did you're you some prize? I mean, you think I got some blue ribbon prize, pig? <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, though, that hat you were wearing was awful. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you're the one that has the cat hat on right yeah, now. Yeah, it says feline good, fine. Feline good today. I think that's what it was. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> what Keep do we move bits, on then bro. and talk about Beekeeper and the Bork? We got another very fun sequence oh, here. Oh, the montages I, are just great. I mean, yes, please, more montage fun. So fun. I do love this running bit. Now we've gotten. Cliff's 70s sort of cop show thing. We've got a 60s Avengers style yeah. opening with Beekeeper and the Borg. I want him to do it with everybody. I don't know if they're going to do it, but I want to see what Larry's opening is when he finally gets to team up with Cyborg. I want to see Jane. Just run through everybody. That'll be very fun. I hope we'll get it. It's a good new runner. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about this team up, though? I think this is something that's been building for a while between Cyborg and Rita as we've been training her. And obviously she flubs at the end here. But um, how'd you feel about the two of them together? Well, it's tough because, you know, Cyborg doesn't take her seriously, even though she did get it right up in the paper. I mean, that was pretty that was pretty sweet. She saved the day there. But uh, this episode, she's really struggling. Like, Cyborg leaves her at the police uh, investigation thing there. And then she's kind of like shows up to save the day at the end. And you think, yeah. But then, you know, this is a non-factor. So it was very heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a classic Rita thing. We've been talking about her sort of like 
taking on this leadership role or really stepping up, but she's just not quite prepped. She's over. She always starts by play acting the thing she's going to do and doesn't have the actual skills. And only later does she learn to, to be the hero that, that she maybe is going to be. Plus I think she's like, I'm a hero. I'm going to stop this villain. But then it's like, well, it's Ronnie and they just had a very intense conversation. You don't really know where cyborg is in it. Everything is a little bit muddier than the comic books version. Yeah, and but I mean, she was hysterical in the morning with the paper, the way she like set it down, and then like he didn't notice it, so she like nudged it and was like, "Oh, did you see the paper today?" Just really funny. It was good stuff. What did you think about the Ronnie end of things? Because she really takes a step into villainy is probably the wrong way of describing it, but certainly now that she has this Uma jelly and she's super strong, she's able to amp up what she's doing exponentially. And sort of, I took it as going out in a blaze of glory rather than being a total villain. How did you feel about her movement here and the fact that Cyborg knew to find her at the sub shop, the one place they had gone on a date before? Oh, yeah, it was like this, um, you know, it's cool that Cyborg can just walk into a place when it's closed. Uh, I guess they give him the keys or something. But like... um, I think it's one of those things where she's been warning him the whole time. I'm not who you think I am. I'm more complicated. I'm darker, all this kinds of stuff. And I mean, in her defense, she's dying and they went on a crazy adventure. And all she has to do is when nobody's looking, snaggle a Luma jelly. Who's going to notice it's missing? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's a lot of like Winnie the Pooh style logic right there. mm -hmm. Well, and in terms of snagging a little Uma jelly while nobody was looking, that's what Quentin Tarantino did on the set of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> really? That is, I don't know what you're insinuating there, but go fuck that's, yourself. Podcast sure two, where you've made that joke. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. God, the, the, that's a runner. Uma, Uma Cal. It's not very confusing. Like, I wish and, you and would possibly gross runner. I don't know. To your earlier point, you anyone can walk into a Subway sandwich shop. They leave it unlocked uh, at night. If fuck you, need you that's night. Tino's, bro. That's not a fucking Subway. I'm, I know, but I'm saying Subway sandwich shops leave their okay. doors unlocked. So if you need a late night meatball sub, <laughs> you can go grab one. They have so that I, sign in the window, right? If you need a late night meatball, dot, dot, dot. Well, that's the beautiful yeah. thing about where I am now. I got a Wawa. They fucking deliver meatballs anytime you want, bro. <laughs> wow. What a flex. Wait, wait a second. I got a Wawa. That was uh, so you could call up Wawa right now. And yep. they'll bring you a meatball, like, just in their hand? No, they they have little cups of meatballs, man. They're fucking delicious. So you're cups off of the subway? <laughs> Is this like singular Italian? meatballs or, like... Yeah, you know how you get, like, a cup of soup? You can get a cup of meatballs. Is Wawa what you call your grandmother? <laughs> no. You call up your Wawa and she brings over a cup of meatballs? <laughs> No, 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 Wawa is short for water. He turns like he's got a meatball tap. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I Everybody grew up, on, well water. He grew up on a meatball tap. <laughs> it is interesting to see where this story is potentially going now that Ronnie has superpowers and is going right for Cyborg. I do wonder how much Rita is going to be involved with this going forward because she does freeze. Um, she might have another turn in terms of deciding to give up the beekeeper identity. I hope not. But we'll see what happens. Why don't we talk about Cliff? Because as mentioned at the beginning, he has the one positive storyline of the whole episode where Clara comes. She's super pregnant. She's getting married to a woman. He thinks it's great that they're having a shotgun gay wedding. She curses as much as he does, which is very fun. And he cooks her a finger. So what do you guys think about this one? 
Uh, didn't see the finger being used in this uh, capacity, uh, but it was fun to see that come back. I thought this was sweet. Cliff is just cramming all his fathering into one afternoon and um, fun stuff. And then he gets the uh, he sings the song, The Living Years, um, which was fun, and then gets an invite to the wedding. Yeah, I mean, this was a huge cliff up. I was really worried he was going to uh, blow it because he kept like uh, being like, I'll show you the my room, you know, instead of like talking with her. But I'm glad that they kind of like uh, really started to open up and have a dialogue and uh, that she shared with him like everything that's kind of going on with her and her nerves about the wedding and everything. And I thought he was being super sweet in a very cliff kind of way. And, um, yeah, I, I was really, when he found out it was a boy and lost his mind was adorable. Um, and then when he got the invite at the end, that's huge. I'm just so, he's like, I wouldn't miss it for the world. And I'm like, oh, something's going to happen. Yeah. He's not going to be there. I, this entire storyline, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like right. when she asked, Hey, is Niles around right now? I thought, oh, no, that's either not Clara or she's looking for something like Ronnie. She's got some other agenda, but nope, she didn't. And then when she got into the truck at the end, I was like, ah, oh, that somebody's going to hit the truck. That always happens on these things. That'll be horrifying and terrible. And then that didn't happen. What but, the yeah, fuck I mean, is going on in your mind, man, that you were like... I've watched uh, 20 plus episodes of the show where every time something good happens to something, somebody, something terrible immediately happens. So oh, okay. that's what's going oh. on in my mind. All right. Fair. Fair. But it just seemed like a very nice time. Uh, but to your point, obviously, he's not going to make the wedding. Obviously, something terrible is going to oh. happen there down the road. So. Um, but Claire's a, a lot like him, which I thought was a funny, like she's a, a human robot man. Yeah, there you go. Any other notes from the episode that you'd like to call out? Uh, Cliff saying, I'm kind of like a horse, don't need a bed. I thought yeah. that was fun. Um, also, uh, his offhand remark of me and the rats are kind of in a blood feud right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't get near the windows. And we got another callback where, once again, him saying, I'm stupid, I fucked up, I'm sorry, completely works with Clara. Mm -hmm. So I think we've really doubled down on that being the perfect life advice. If you're ever in trouble with somebody, just say that. Yeah, yeah. It's good... works with everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To cure all. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel bad I should call up Subway for lying about their uh, open all-night policy. What did you think about the way that Cliff made smiley face pancakes? It looked to me like the chocolate chips were on top of the pancake and the sausages were underneath, which was weird. I, I, I've never cooked like that. Personally. It seemed like the sausage was the hair on the smiley mm. pancake, but okay. uh, maybe the right. eyebrows got a little away from him a little bit. But, I mean, it's the thought <laughs> that counts. He is a robot, and his, he doesn't have all the dexterity that you would like. But, I mean, it's... Would you send that back if you got served that at a, at a restaurant? Well, if a robot was serving me, I wouldn't, you know? Even if there was a finger in there? Would you eat the finger just to be polite? It's Always eat the finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's good All luck. Right. Well, oh, great. that's a good note. To you got a finger in your pancakes. Lucky. I, I did want to talk a little bit about LT. <clears throat> um, you know, we got a flashback that was heartbreaking, and I, I kind of was wondering what the light being was trying to do there. Where it was like, he's like, I'm sick of these riddles. What's going on? And uh, the light being is kind of like 
showing this interview where he basically lied to his kid and was like, hey, I'm going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Math. Math solves everything. And, you know, that's a lot to put on math. Lightbeing's been noticeably absent lately. Not been doing much. I'm curious if that next episode is the season finale here. I'm curious if we're going to see more of the Lightbeing. Yeah, uh, one of the reasons I didn't bring up Larry is other than that scene, we don't get a lot there. Forced is probably too strong a word, but given the theme was all about dads, I understand why we brought up the stuff about Larry here. But it felt a little perfunctory compared to some of the other storylines that delved more heavily into dad stuff, which was surprising. Also, a little bit of a note about the season finale. It's the season finale asterisk next episode because of COVID. They never got to finish the 10th episode, I think the effects in time. So next episode is technically the season finale, but actually the second to last episode of the season. So and it's then a the cliffhanger. Ding. And the season three premiere is actually the 10th episode <laughs> slash the first episode of the next season. So, oh, interesting. So, yeah. so there you go. Just uh, preparing some of you and our listeners out there, just in case things don't Thank necessarily you. wrap up. I appreciate that. At the end of the episode, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's not but something I... any of us would be mad about and like make mm-hmm. a big deal out of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. I, I appreciate the heads up on that. Uh, <clears throat> real quick, though, Justin, I feel like you're not sharing enough with us about growing up with a well uh-huh. was it used as a torture device like did you dare each other to like go and like uh, crawl into it or like did you lower your little brother in there like come on man come on like this is the time talk yeah, to us i know you want to well i want to take you uh i'll be sort of i'm the the jane and you're the uh i guess the lt and we mm-hmm. go up to my um my house and go you, see the well i wouldn't get anywhere near an actual well but also like what's what the if deal? you were really thirsty and what about wishing dude <laughs> what about wishes yeah you just don't wish what do you wish on I'll like tell you a weird the pond, there's like ponds where you can wish and fountains. You, can't, you can't throw a quarter into a pond yes you're you gonna, can the fish is gonna eat i it. mean you That's... can but you're not gonna get your wish <laughs> The wish is well. Make wish, Pete. Oh my god, that was creepy. Make wish. I just, anyway. I think, <laughs> I think wells are way more scarier than yeah. anyone is letting on, and I don't appreciate Justin you covering up that fact. What and about I Goonies? Also what about mention, Goonies? Based on the way your voice is going, Pete, I don't think you're feline good today. <laughs> Other than I feel Pete, like Pete though, might be a candle maker. He's turning into a candle maker. <laughs> Other than Pete, though, who is most doomed this episode? Pete, let's start with you. Who's most doomed this episode? <clears throat> Turns out Dorothy is most doomed, and it's going to break my fucking heart to watch Niles murder his own child. But I guess that's what we're building towards. So, hey, this is a fun show. Justin, what about you? Who's most doomed this episode? Well, I, I'll leave you your standard answer, Alex, um, but I'm going to go with Niles. He's telltale coughing up blood. Pete's about to in a sec, and you know it's a bad sign. Um, it's a signal that no matter what is happening, that character has something that's going to kill them. It's all right. I just started taking my medicine. I'll be okay. Um, a little do will do you, my doctor always says. <clears throat> the... Uh, 
Uh, I'm actually going to swerve and say Cyborg this episode because we've been Ooh. really ramping up over the course of the season with this Ronnie storyline. He's in love with her. He's finally happy for the first time. And then we've had this swerve. Whatever's going to go down with them is just going to be really, really bad for him. It may not be physically bad, but certainly it's going to be very emotionally bad. And I'm worried about him. He's a good guy. He might be headed to a very dark place going I forward. mean, once you point uh, a giant cannon at, uh, you know, your so-called loved one, it's it's hard to come back from that. That's very true. Yeah. If you just like ask support pirates. The- <laughs> just ask all pirates. <laughs> I love you, British fleet. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now, before he passes away, a piece of advice <laughs> from Pete LePage. Uh, stay away from wells and apparently fairs. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Great advice. We st- we stand you, Kitty King. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no.